0: Get the backyard, the what up, what up, what up, San Antonio, El Paso, Abilene, people up in Lubbock, people up in the Mile High City of Denver, Colorado, people up in Tyler, people in the Shot City, and people down the whole 305 South Florida region, and my people down Laredo. You are tuned in here to the Monday edition of the Sports Grind. Calvin Casey, Jonas Clark producing and spending the one and twos. We are broadcasting here from the Maestro de Bell Tequila Studios. Today's show is being presented by Dos Equis. Get a dose. 877 grind is your number to participate. You know how we do it. If you know what you want to talk about, like always, it is open phone lines. Feel free to give us a call. Um, you know, all we ask you to do is to be patient during the, uh, first of all, to call during the breaks and be patient during the long segments and breaks and we'll get to the phone calls accordingly. Also, if you need to reach out to me uh, via Twitter or follow me, you can do that on Twitter, at Sports Grind. Alright? And if you want to stream the show live, alright, you can always go to to the business Facebook page of Sports Grind Entertainment or you can go to my personal page and you can leave comments and I'll read those in on air in real time or I'll respond to those later. All right. Um, you can go to the personal page or the business page of Facebook Entertainment. And also, um, if you ever miss any of the shows live, all right, you can go ahead and go to sportsgrindonline.com where you can download the podcast, 365, seven days a week. And also, if you are traveling or in a market that doesn't have us terrestrial wise or we're getting preempted by play by play in your market, you can go ahead and go to the same website at sportsgrindonline.com where you can click the play button, listen live, and we're there for you. Eight seven seven three seven grind What's up, Mr. Clark? You ready? Yes, sir. Ready rock and roll. All right, man. Let's get it. This is officially the first Monday uh, after football action weekend from college to the NFL. I've been trying to do be a good host and let our new markets and uh, listeners, since this is the first time with us through a football season, on how we get down here on the grind uh, in regards to how we what Mondays are about. Going to spend a lot of time recapping uh, NFL. Probably going to start with NFL uh, first, and then we'll go in to college a lot of college games and again like I told you on Friday Mondays and Tuesdays are pretty much almost be a combined show in one because I pay attention to a lot of games especially football college and the pros so usually you know three hours a day long breaks so we're structured a little bit different so we'll have a lot that will f- flow over from Monday to Tuesday and then tomorrow will be you know putting a bow on week one which will conclude tonight in MetLife Stadium with the Giants and the Bills and before I get into more of the docket let me start the show by saying again never forget today is September the 11th Um, if you listen to me long enough you know I'm a history guy um, when it comes to this country and events in general Um, like I've always said I can remember to like have a bad memory as I get older remember different things names and everything else but I'll never forget where I was on that morning so again uh, thoughts and prayers are always going to be with those families that was affected you know, we also, especially now and day, we have a tendency to have in that microwave society where we're on to the next thing. So when you talk about this many years past, um, I think majority of us in the country don't forget, uh, but there's some that still... Um, You know, really sometimes forget really the impact that had and the world change uh, after that. Not everybody, but there's some, but we don't on this show and I don't. So thoughts and prayers again to anybody out there that was affected, family was affected from that day, 9-11. So... um, so again, we've got a quite a bit to get to today Other sports news besides being heavy uh, NFL-wise um, Of course, want to say congratulations to Coco Golf Who won uh, the U.S. Opens, the Women's U.S. Open uh, very young uh, age at winning that. Uh, you can tell, you know, they had a good morning, America, all that. She's trying to be that next one. Somebody's got to carry the torch, uh, you know, pass for Serena and Venus. So she's the next one. Um, and not just saying that as an African American tennis player, just for American tennis in general. Um, you know, on the ladies' side, which I've been more critical on the men's side because the men's side has been hard times to kind of get going uh, since we've been in the early 2000s, post 90s. What we got?
1: Well, of course, it is her first Grand Slam title of her career, and it can't be overlooked the fact she just turned 19 in March. Uh You know, so we're as as her career develops, and it's unfortunate when you have to compare you know greatness to greatness. But it's already started years back, where we're going to look compare her career to Serena you know, Serena Williams and and her coming up through. And so now she's a teenager having similar success to Serena at such a young age. And this is just, you know, really just the starting point for her.
0: Well, I hear you, but I would say pump the brakes because I've always preached this on this show just because I played the sport and grew up paying attention to it in the early, I mean, excuse me, the mid, late nineties. You know, I'm going to, that's, that's some heavy burden and shoes for her to feel, Uh, Coco, I don't think she needs to worry about being the next Venus and Serena. And I'm not saying that's what you were saying. But when we look at her success at an early age, remember I told you when you're, if you are good enough to be on the ATP or the WTA tour, you are really on that circuit probably maybe as early as 16, 17 years old. You know, when you get to 29 to 30, you're on the back end of your career at tennis your prime years in tennis, whether you're a female or male, is really from the ages of 18 years old you know, because even if you, if you go back to the history of Jennifer Capriati, I mean, we all know how her life off the court turned out. A lot of that had to do because she was thrust into the limelight so early at the age of 14. And that was pre-social media and everything like that. But at the end of the day, you know, if you use when you hit to that scene, if you're fortunate in that you're about 15, 16, 14, and then you're just going through almost like your rookie year. When you get to her age, if you're going to be that woman or man, um, this is the time when you kind of start winning. I mean, we're seeing it on the band side. with Alcaraz was seeing that, um, you know, he's young, accomplished. So I get what you're saying, but the age of it, her just winning at this age, is not that. It, it's a it's a big deal, but it's not that big a deal when you look at the landscape of how tennis is. But regardless, congratulations to her. Like I said, the Joker made history. Uh, he has tied Margaret Court um, at 24. Did a little tribute to Kobe. I never knew. You know, he had a relationship with Kobe. You know, I wish that's the only thing, you know, uh, rest his soul. Um, you know, I was always one of Kobe's biggest critics, but I always respected him uh, and a fan of him, but not a huge fan of him. But I just wish, you know, more people um, would have came out uh, and talked about their relationships, why he was living. And I'm not saying jo- Djokovic hasn't, it's just because I haven't heard it. Um, I don't follow his career 365 seven days a week. But um, on a grand s- scale of that, I mean, I know that was 24. Kobe wore 24. But my point I was trying to make, and I felt like when you found out how involved he was with the women's game and all that, those are things that I think that would have came out while he was still breathing. It, it would have made a lot of people look at Kobe a little different. Because remember, Kobe was one of those guys that I felt there was no in between. Either you couldn't really stand him because he was a winner and he played with the Lakers or you were in love with them. But I think after His passing. When you hear about how involved he was with the women's game, uh, you know the mom, you know, um, um, you know, uh, a girl dad. You know, he came out with that. It's just to hear Djokovic for the first time on that, and I get it. You tied 24. That's tied for the most Grand Slams ever by woman or man. And then you know he had the the, you know the uh, jumpsuit there to uh, you know honor him at 24. But that's the thing I thought about. But credit to him, you know, for accomplishment. I'm not a big Djokovic fan either. I'll put a little. I am going to put a total asterisk on him. It's like if I'm drawn and I'm just not going to completely put an asterisk because my man Nadal was – I mean, Nadal is sitting at like 22, I think, or 21. And, you know, he's at four. And and I've I've said this. Nadal has really suffered the last couple years because of injury. Now, he took off most of this year, and he's already announced next year is going to be his final year. Uh, But Djokovic, again, this era between him, Nadal – and Roger Federer—that's really who it's been for the last twenty years, um, you know—and that's why I say about the men's side as well too. So congratulations to that. Um, also, basketball—the uh, only thing about uh, NBA-wise, uh, you know—I had no. I had, had uh, these faithful listener of ours, as far as I know, he tagged me over the weekend trying to troll me about. Oh, I mean, last time I checked, if you do we not get the number one pick, you know, it's trying to say that I'm talking about Wimby. Listen. First of all, Million got a lot of run on this show pre draft and post draft. But I'm not gonna be one of those that's gonna be reporting on what his hairstyle is. Now I know some pictures that came across my way and yoked up a little bit real quick. You know, he's working out with, you know, San Antonio's own Jesse James layout, but uh, come on. When basketball gets its time, and the Spurs go, women's going to get love. But the basketball note really comes with the American team. And I know we're going to get caught up in football, but I want to get this point out because if I don't today, it'll get lost and shuffle the rest of the week. Uh, but, you know, it came out yesterday and it's been trending uh, that Kevin Durant and LeBron James are going to do their farewell duty to the nation in this country uh, in the 2024 Summer Olympics game. And this morning I read, you know, they're in the midst of trying to convince Stephen Curry to come on. And to me, if we just look at what happened off of the World Basketball Championships this past couple of weeks, um, that's sad, man. It's embarrassing. I mean, it's exciting for NBA fans, um, I guess. But I'm going to look at the other side of the glass half empty, because if it takes LeBron, it shouldn't take LeBron and Kevin Durant. And LeBron would technically be going into what his twenty-first season at that time, um, probably playing, but actually would be going into twenty-two if he's going to continue to play because it's the summer of twenty twenty-four. Um, no, he would be in year. That's that's still. I'm thinking I'm gonna get my years. That's that's next year, next summer. But the point is the fact that him and Kevin Durant. And they've got to recruit Stephen Curry to play on this national team to ensure that the U.S. wins the gold medal, or at least makes it to the finals in the gold medal round. Is an indictment on the youngsters in this league, and it's and it's sad. It really is. Um, you know, I'm, I'm give them credit for doing it if that's what they're gonna do. You know, uh, but it just I, I want to put that in a micro You know, a big picture of what that, what that means to the young stars that are American-born that we look into this sport. I kind of touched on it last week. You can go check the podcast. But when I heard that, I'm like, wow, it's coming down to this, I guess. What do you got?
1: Well, yeah, and, of course, this is a response to the United States getting bounced from the uh, FIBA World Cup without even getting a medal. And Germany won the whole thing with the gold. I told you, Dennis Schroeder, it's his team, man. Uh, Serbia getting the silver, and then Canada defeating Dylan Brooks goes off for 39 points. Yeah. You know, uh, against the Team USA to go ahead and, and, and keep the U.S. off the podium. So it's it, and this does really it goes back to that conversation. And a lot of people are are looking at the LeBron and the KD response, too, because Noah Lyles really did start a lot of stuff at the world track and field, uh, the cha- the championships when he said world champions of what? And KD and LeBron and everybody said, "Come help this man! Come help this man!" And then you've got the picture circulating social media of Germany with world champions in front of them, and so that stings. And we, you and I, went back and forth here. Hey, man, it's it's the best league in the U.S. We got the best players. We got everybody, and then you see them on an international stage, not national international stage, and they get bounced.
0: But I don't buy into that the way you're trying to spin it. I don't think that goes hand-in-hand. Hand. I really don't. Um, because like I told you before, we've never – I mean, other than 92 when it's all started about the Dream Team um, and then you go so-called the Redeemed Team, we've never really – you can count on one hand how many times we really sent all our best players over there, whether it's due to injuries, whether it's due to guys I'm already on my fourth. I've already played for the U.S. four times. So we never – in a situation put our best or best at the time. But I'm just a firm believer is that our best, our second best should still be able to not let us get out of, let alone, I still say the gold, but let alone not meddling. And it shouldn't be, I don't look at it as basically what his comments made about world. Champion. I don't think that's what's pushing the buttons of LeBron and KD. I don't, I think it's pushing the buttons up. They come from a different era. They're a little bit old school, more than these guys. And they grew up, and was inspired by the original Dream Team. And when you talk about, you know, Anthony Edwards, when you talk about young cats like this, it's a different thing for them. I mean, when you're talking about, you know... $200 $108 $200 million, $108 million just because you're a vet or you get your fifth year, seventh year. When well, you talk about accumulating that wealth, and you've always heard me on this show talk about the thing that even taking it to a different level, it just bothers me on how many guys get endorsements and make money that haven't really won yet or accomplished. And the reason why they are is because they've got five to seven, eight, 10 million Twitter followers or social media followers. So companies going to sit there and say, Hey, you can sell our product when it really was back in the nineties and the mid nineties and the eighties. You get national commercials. You, there was a like, magic bird, Jordan. I mean that's really what it comes down to David when David jumped on the scene he put in work When people like hey man this guy from the Naval Academy can really play had a Nike National commercial a lot of these guys are getting commercials from Hulu to every like I look at Dame Lillard on how many times you see him on his TV I love Dame he's known for Dame time hitting his wrist like it's Dame time and he's got about two to three gentleman sweeps in his resume and he's got about a couple sweeps. but he's on your TV a lot endorsement so to me just to bring it back full circle I think this is a reaction of really KD and LeBron knowing how much That means to them to like look man that's red White and blue as long as I can Still run up and down the court I'm the league If it's like this if nobody else the youngsters would step up while I'm still breathing I'm going to try To restore some respect in the summer I'm not going to Let that happen to us in the summer I don't think that has Nothing to do about the reacting to the, the, the Track it has nothing to do with that
1: well, it's not even so much about the money. I mean, Kevin Garnett got out, got in on the conversation this weekend tweeting, MVP, interna- as it was an international player, NBA champs, internationally led, because of course, Jamal Murray being from Australia. Team USA not meddling, what's to it? You had Rudy Gay tweeting out this weekend, saying that we need to bring back tryouts to the Team USA, even for the FIBA World Cup, because these guys don't want it. I don't think it's so much about the money. I think that, to Kevin Garnett's point, point, in like I said, to give you credit, you've talked about it too, internationally, this game has spread right. to where we've got more... More talent you said it the best talent from the world around the world comes to play in this league the the, the league in america
0: uh, but internationally that the the world is catching up the world is catching up jonas but also their strides coming into where we've seen on the women's soccer level the world is catching up to our women that dominate it i've always told you how i feel about our men's soccer we can have all the resources and everything and generations come up we're never catching brazil or argentina in soccer it's not happening okay And so so when I say that it is about the money, follow the money when you're getting 200 to 250 million. Not everybody is made up of the same stuff that Kobe, Michael Jordan, Tiger Woods, Tom Brady's made up of. You're not where whether you got the money in the bank, you got a quarter million billion dollars in the bank, you're in the NBA, you got endorses, but it still makes you want to get up and basically get up at seven, eight o'clock in the morning and make me go and fly across the world to represent my country. No, they don't get it because the money is because the youth has become more about like, hey, we're going to come up to AU, We're going to go through college. We're going to hopefully get to a big D one school. We're going to be one and done. And then we're going to go in the NBA and we're going to get that first round lottery money. The, the, the difference of it is, is that that passion from the original Dream Team onto the Redeem Team, Mike uh, Colangelo taking over the whole structure of American basketball, all of that has kind of been lost on. when That's what they mean when they say they don't want it because it's hard to be hungry when your belly's full. When we get back, we're going to jump right into week one, look at all the weekend action. Dallas defense dominates. And Sean Payton in the Rust era starts off at zero and one. You listen to the sports grind. Today's show is being presented by Dos Equis. Get a dose. We are broadcasting here for the Maestro de Bell Tequila Studios. We'll be back. All right, back on here on the sports grind, Calvin Casey, Jonas Clark producing and spinning the one and twos. Today's show is being presented by Dos Equis. Get a dose. We are broadcasting here from the Maestro de Bell Tequila Studios, and this next segment is going to be sponsored by Specs. Keep in mind, if you're looking to check out what the latest products and the newest products are, make sure you don't or you already know what you want. You just want to deliver it to your house. Uh, Don't forget about specsonline.com because specs the fun starts here. They're an official sponsor of the Sports Grind and an official partner of the Dallas Cowboys. 877-37-GRIND. All right, so let's dive right into it. I see Shelby checking in with us early, Adam checking in with us. Um, I'll get to your question here shortly, Shelby, when we uh, break down the uh, Denver game here shortly, but... We're, we're going to start with the boys. Uh, we're going to start with the Dallas Cowboys, which they pretty much dominated. Uh, I would say the defense dominated the Giants yesterday. Uh, I should say last night. They went on to win 40-0. to zero. Okay, 40-0. If you look at it, Dak, 13 for 24, 143 yards, no INTs. Uh, CeeDee Lamb, four receptions, 77 yards. And Tony Pollard had 14 carries, 70 yards and two touchdowns. Um, On the losing side... Uh Daniel Jones, 15 of 28, 104 yards and two INTs. Barkley had 12 carries for 51 yards, and the newly acquired Darren Waller only had three receptions and really damn near three targets. Um look, before I get to the Giants, on the Cowboys side, um Besides me, th- there's two things I really focused on this offseason with Dallas doing this show. One was the fact that I was having a bad se- feeling on how their season was going to go because there was a lot of chatter and a talk from them. Um, not so much of talking crap to other teams and this and that, but just really trying to uplift their, their spirits and try to convince themselves uh, that they were going to do great things. The second thing that I talked about a lot on this offseason and heading into the season about the Dallas Cowboys was the fact that I felt that the defense was going to really be under pressure to perform just as good as they did last year or better, and that the offense was going to take uh, a little bit of a few steps back. And I saw both of those last night, uh, and that's really what it was about. I mean, um, Dallas, I mean, the key thing, if you're the, the positive thing, the in my opinion, the only positive thing really on offensive-wise for Dallas last night is Dak didn't have any turnovers. I mean, it was wet conditions. It really got sloppy in the second half, especially. Um, you know, he was able to avoid uh, game one, week one, with no interceptions. Uh, secondly, um, the defense. Uh, domination uh, on the Giants. Um I've got to take that with a grain of salt though on how you know dominated, you know, they dominating they look. Now, Adam's checking in and says, Calvin, either the Giants are that bad or the boys have a top five defense. Danny Dobbs is not a good investment. For the Giants, you have to give some love to the boys D. Your thoughts. Um, first of all, um, I think for what we see is I expect Giants offense. Uh, to be a, somewhat better than what they showed last night. I do think you have to give more credit to Dallas defense, but keep in mind, the disappointing thing, and, and that can, both of them can be right, Adam, because I think Dallas going in, I don't think anybody's breaking news or nobody went on a limb if you claimed before the season started or after seeing last night's game you were going to put Dallas as a top five defense. I mean, that is the strength of this team. It was the strength of the team last year, and it's going to be even more the strength of the team this year. And so both of those can be right, uh, Adam, in that take. Now, in regards to, I do think the Dallas defense is good. I think they have a richest of pass rushers, but I don't know if they're really 40-0 to better that domino over the Giants, but that is what it is. And one thing you're gonna know, I can make predictions all I want, or I can say, "Hey, this team's gonna win the division," or "This guy's gonna be here," or "This coach gonna be." The one thing I pride myself on, though, is that this is a week-to-week league, and I do a five-day-a-week show, and I have to see what I'm seeing at the time it goes, regardless of what I said was going to happen or whatever. And this particular circumstances, I can only focus on what I've seen last night, and it was a dominating performance. Now, however. The Giants played 70 to 80% into that, to be real. Um, I think the disappointing thing on the Giants' side is the fact that, now we don't know what it's going to look like tonight, speaking offensively-wise with the Jets. We like to know what we think it's going to look like. Um, The Bills have had a top defense over the last few years, but as Jonas kept reminding us and kept repeating through this offseason, they're without Leslie Frazier he's taking a year off so we don't know what this defense if they're gonna take a step back or not but with that said no matter what the Jets look like tonight I think we're gonna get another better sense of how dominant this Dallas defense can be when they host Aaron Rodgers and the Jets next weekend the disappointing thing with the Giants is number one you went out and spent this money on Darren Waller he was in the report for a hamstring I think that was just because you got to list everything uh, but at the end of the day he had like three targets last night and the thing that disappointed me was that looked like the same offense. That the Giants ran last year. Like there was nothing more creative. There was nothing more uh, explosive. And you played a division opponent, which I felt the Giants was a winnable game because at the end of the day, this is 9 11 weekend. This is a team that Dallas and Dak has dominated. Uh, you make a couple of acquisitions on the offseason and the reg- uh, the offseason on the, the offensive side. Daniel Jones gets paid. And I and I've said this before when he got when me and Jonas is going back with the Swaycon Daniel, I said, look, the Giants are not sold that Danny Dimes is basically the quarterback of the future. Um, so it was very disappointing. And 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 I would tell you right now, I mean, the honeymoon's gonna be over real quick with Dable. And there's a running thing on this show for years, whether it's NBA, uh, NFL, but for years we've been paying attention on this show about coaches that win the Coach of the Year award. The, the years after that, for some reason, they get fired. Or it goes well. I don't know if you want to talk about the coach of the year, you know, basically, you know, jinx or whatever. And no, I'm not saying that because I'm calling for Debo's job already or thinking he needs to be fired. But you couldn't start out of all the teams this weekend that were in action, the 32 teams, the Giants looked the worst. And that was pretty hard to do based off of what went on in Soldier Field yesterday as well, too. But that was a disappointing performance on the Giants part. And the other thing I will sit there and say, looking at the situation, and I have to look at Brian Dable as well, too, because a lot of these guys get jobs and they get head coaching jobs because it's just like regular life, man. It's not really sometimes what you know, but who you know. And billionaire owners can be persuaded by their general managers. When it comes to the next upcoming coordinator or the next defensive coordinator, especially on the offensive side. But nine times out of ten, if you follow it, it has a lot to do with was their quarterback. So how much of it is really this guy knowing what's going on and basically how much of it is really maybe because where he was at previously, who his quarterback was. Now, I think you can look at uh, Josh Allen taking a little step back especially in the red zone last year could be a product of not having Brian Dable call those plays but when I look at Brian Dable last night the other thing because that's on coaching when your team comes out that flat and that has no excitement and really gets punched in the mouth by a division rival of 40 to zero you know how hard it is in this day and time with the rules the way they are favoring the office do you know how hard it is in the National Football League to get a shutout in these days this ain't the 80s this ain't the 90s it ain't even the early 2000s you You have to really be awful on offense to get shut out in a national football game. I don't care how bad your team is. So that was very alarming. And the other thing that I did not understand and I don't know if a message was being sent and I don't care what Daniel Jones is basically saying because I totally disagree with Chris Collinsworth last night in regards like oh you know Chris uh, Daniel Jones is going to earn some stripes in this locker room because he wants to be the guy for this quarterback team what the hell is Daniel Jones still doing in the game with five minutes to six minutes even left It may, and even when it got down to three to two minutes I don't care if he's telling the court no this is my I'm going in there I want to be with my team they gave up even in the last two or three minutes they gave up like five or six sacks in the last three minutes of the game where daniel jones is just back there a sitting target just a sitting duck you knew that you had no answer for dallas's defensive line and this is week one and there's 16 of these things left and you leave daniel jones a guy you gave a 75 million or 100 million dollar extension whatever it was to that basically is not built like a rock that is probably one shot away from being on the ir and you left him in in a 40 to 0 blowout in the ring. That is a coaching mistake, and that is basically looks bad on Brian Dable. And and you know what? Now credit to Brian Dable because I heard him say this last season. He goes, "Yeah, the Coach of the Year award—that's one thing, but I know where I'm coaching at. He's coaching, and he's meaning like they—they can forget about that reward real quick." What were you gonna say?
1: Well, I feel like the reason why you leave Jones out there is because you want some level, uh, you want to try and get some positivity. You want to get one drive to where maybe that offense can get going, Uh -uh. and you can go into week two feeling like, okay, as bad as it was against Dallas, even though it came into against their third stringers with five minutes left in the fourth quarter, you got some momentum. And I feel like it's, and and maybe it's a double-edged sword there because the fact that you didn't, you you continued to try and you didn't get that that almost makes you feel worse coming into week two because you still couldn't get it done against guys that bear, that 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 were you know roster cut you know, roster bubble guys coming out out of the preseason so maybe that hurts worse because you still couldn't get anything done but nah. I almost I almost feel like you do want to try to
0: get something especially offensively you want to try to get something going in week one look man there's an old saying goes talk about live to fight another day. You're not going to win the NFC East in one game, man. We're in week one. Your backup, your backup is Tyrod Taylor, which I have a lot of respect for, but it's Tyrod Taylor. Daniel Jones is a guy, I guarantee you, there's no, like, you. I couldn't name another quarterback that's starting in this league for the exceptions of maybe Ryan Tannehill, and I'll get to him. Sure, I didn't even have him on the docket, but he just came to my mind because I, I want to know where Adam's at the the congregation of uh Tennessee Titan football. But other than Ryan there's not another quarterback in the league that would have been left in the game down 40 to zero. The offensive line cannot handle the pass rush and it's three minutes left in the game. There's no, if you want to get an encouragement going into the next game or whatever, that should happen coming out of the locker room at early fourth quarter. There, there's no if you if you run the risk of Daniel Jones because it's not the fact that they were just getting beat down and they're getting shut out he was getting killed he was getting hit like it was tee off like I don't know who the hell whoever had Dallas's defense in fantasy football last night you should be 1-0 if you ain't 1-0 there's two people if you ain't 1-0 with Tyreek Hill or either Dallas Cowboys defense in fantasy you probably got a shaky squad but the, re, the, the, the truth of the matter is no. I mean, I see how you're trying to spin it. No, man, that that's that's uncalled for. And it's really a disrespect to Daniel Dimes. I'm going to tell you the same thing I told you about your boy Baker when he was in Cleveland when he tried to play the Warrior when he played the last year when he was hurt with his shoulder and got killed before his performance and all that. I told you then. I said, look, if, they really, if Haslam and the whole ownership grew and the coaches really thought Baker Mayfield was their quarterback of the future, there's no way they would have let him go out there with his shoulder like the way it was. Daniel Jones to me besides a contract extension which was a friendly type of deal he didn't get no Joe Burrow no money like that it was nothing really overwhelming and I saw nothing from an offense that basically generated last year 65 70 percent of the start was you know created around number 26 and Mr. Barkley that looked exact same against a division opponent that already knows that so um, you got to give Dallas credit. You play who's in front of you. I think if the defense can, I don't expect the defense to continue play at that level. If they do, yeah, playing in the NFC, they should be down there to the final four. They should be at the final two spot of the game, the NFC championship game. It should be divisional. Uh, it, divisional rounds should not be acceptable. But the reality of it is, it is hard in this day and time for a defense to sustain that if you have an offense that is, is is suspect and and really what i see from last night i mean because honestly 40 points special teams from a block kip field go kip a scoop a scoop and score from turnovers which dallas has led the league in turnovers the last two years of defense or two or three years so you got to give dan quinn credit for that but in a game that was 40 to 0 dallas's defense and special team scored i would say was probably responsible for what 20, 30 of the, 35 of those points, 30 of those points. There was one drive that dallas's offense had. And that's why I know that this is going to be an ongoing topic for the Dallas Cowboys because I'm not a big, I know the guy that's playing tonight for the Gang Green by the name of Aaron Rodgers. I know that he, all he did was bitch and moan and complain for the last two years of Mike McCarthy's tenure at Green Bay because he felt the offense wasn't creative enough. And the reason why I know there's some credit to that is because go ahead and go a little bit West Coast and look at the performance of the Los Angeles Chargers yesterday in their offense under Kellen Moore. Look, and I was not and I'll keep saying this every time his name gets brought up. I was not a Kellen Moore fan because of his lack of in-game adjustments at halftime. But the reality of it is, if you look up who's had the number one and two offenses in the last three years in the NFL, it was the Kansas City Chiefs and the Dallas Cowboys. Not in that order. It was vice versa. But McCarthy has felt the heat. He knows the owner he's playing for. He understands his quarterback situation. And he understands it's Dallas, not Green Bay. So he felt like, if I'm going to go down, you know, it's kind of like in Glory. That movie Glory. And Denzel Washington, they're all sitting around. And, you know, uh, Morgan Freeman is preaching to him. And they're about to go into war. And Morgan says tomorrow we go into battle and everybody yeah 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 keep going preach and he says hey if you're going to go down at least let them know you went down standing up and that's what you do and and, and at the end of the day you know you you can't it's, it's just one of those situations to where dallas is going to be in a situation where there's going to be a lot of pressure On their defense. And the only good news that you have if you're a Dallas fan is the fact that you are playing in the NFC. You're playing in the NFC. Because if you look at Dak's numbers, I mean, 13 for 24, 143 yards. He didn't really have to do much. You know, he didn't have to really do any, do much. But I'm still questionable about how this offense is going to look under Mike McCarthy. But I don't know where the Giants, who do they got next, Jonas? We've we got to keep a schedule up because I'm going to ask that a lot today on who they got coming up next. Um, the Giants is just, that. that's bad. I mean, you would have done better getting done by somebody else outside division if you're going to come out and play like that. What do you got? Well, And how do you look at the game, too? Because it's going to be against the Cardinals
1: in Arizona. And they looked better against the commanders
0: than anybody thought they would. Or, again, the commanders just maybe looked that bad. No, I think you got it. I mean, I think the commanders, you know, look, commanders got a new offensive coordinator in Eric B. Um, we know what the deal is with Ron Rivera. They've got a quarterback starting for the first time, uh, Sam Howell. Um, I think Arizona situation yesterday, I mean, I paid some attention to that game. It just comes down to where eventually these are grown men. They they sit around. I mean, they used you know, the whole adage with coaches and and players, I don't read the newspapers. I don't listen to the radio. Well, in the day of social media, you can't escape anything. So the players and the coaches have sit around for Arizona for the last four or five months and all a month of camp and heard people like myself and everybody else say, oh, they're they're tanking. They're going to suck. They're being the worst thing. That's what those players. It doesn't matter what the front office plans are. It doesn't matter whether they say, we're going to play a bunch of young guys. We're going to leave Kyler Murray on IR all season because we don't know if we're keeping them. Depending on what those players, those 50 guys that are in that roster that made that team, they don't care. They're going to go out and still play. Now, the question is, when you have a lack of talent and you have a lack of skill, that can only last so long if you're a bad football team. By the time you get to, I don't know, week seven, eight, nine, it starts to wear on you if you can't find a way to get a win. If you're looking at you, well, you're two and six. Or you're 0-7. So, I'm not surprised that the Arizona Cardinals gave Washington a fight. Because, again, I don't really know what we have in the Commanders. I, I I think under the preseason, what I saw with the starters, I like what I saw with Eric B. And I think he's putting a lot of confidence in Sam Howell. But it's not a shocker to me that basically the Arizona Cardinals hung around with the Washington Commanders.
1: But go ahead. But for the Giants' concerns, it's how they did it. You had an interception. You had two, uh, two recovered fumbles. Six sacks. A fumble returned for a touchdown. That's, that feeds right into, I mean, if you you ask what's next on New York's schedule, I mean, you, to look at the fantasy scoring, it was Dallas, number one, the Dallas defense, and number two, it was, it was the Cardinals. So they're coming in hungry. You see what they did. Now they kind of have a little bit of confidence. That's why I say I don't know what you look at if you're New York.
0: Well, it, you got to look better. It can't get no worse than it did last night. I mean, if that's the end of the day, then we need to try to return the sender on Daniel Jones. I mean, we pocket watch everybody else who gets contracts, who get big quarterback contracts, then we need to start pocket watching on Daniel Jones then if they can't put a better performance on that against the Arizona Cardinals. You listen to the Sports Grind. Today's show is being presented by Dos Equis. Get a Dose. We are broadcasting here from the Maestro de Bell Tequila Studios. Calvin Casey, Jonas Clark producing Spinning the One and Twos. We'll be back.
2: The biggest savings of the season are at specs. The fun starts here.